0: Jay stops, spins in the lane, puts up a floater, and knocks it down. What a shot. Whew,
1: that boy is so good for a freshman.
0: And the Rebels are going to win the game. Runnin' Rebels win it 66-60. to The Runnin' Rebels defeat Colorado State. They are up two games on Colorado State. They are also now ahead of <laughs> New Mexico, and they got out a victory against Colorado State 66-60.
2: It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio.
0: You hear there the very excited voice of John Sandler on the UNLV radio call as the Rebs get a huge victory over the weekends. Monday, Cofield and Company. Adam Candy in for the start of the show with Damon in the Finley Toyota Studio Steve Cofield is on his way to, as we like to call it in the biz, Laradice up in Wyoming, where the Runnin' Rebels will be taking on the Cowboys at the AA Arena Auditorium in what is going to be a sprint to the finish toward that Mountain West Tournament that, of course, is happening right over at the Thomas & Mac in just a couple of weeks. Get your tickets at UNLV tickets dot com steve campbell join us matt jacob will join us in a little bit lots of raiders news to get to today and not just the raiders but damon a bit of a trend when it comes to running backs and the franchise tag and who's going to be available this year because it looks like a lot and i mean a lot of good running backs are going to be out on the market but we'll get there give it a minute it's Monday. We're all settling in. Demond, tell me about your weekend. What what'd you do? What what uh, excitement did you get yourself into over the weekend?
1: Well, I guess I'd say not too much, Adam. But the biggest part of the weekend for me was going to the UNLV game, asking Coach Kruger a couple of questions. And after the after the presser, gives me a pat on the shoulder and he said, "Good to see you." I'm part of the inner circle. I'm a friend of the program now.
0: Oh, I'm a couple hundreds oh, away that, from you, being a booster. You, you know, that might be considered impermissible recruiting. I, I'm not sure if that's a, uh, you still have eligibility left, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I know you're looking for a spot at the end of that bench with, uh, with Kevin Krueger. No, I'm sure it was great to be out in that environment at, uh, at the TMM over the weekend. UNLV defeats 22nd ranked Colorado State which has been a bit of a boogeyman team for the Rebels over time. Uh, Isaiah Stevens has 18 points, but the Rebels play great defense uh, throughout the ball game and end up coming away with a key victory. They find themselves right in the middle of the mix. Um, Thanks for asking. I I appreciate uh, my weekend. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I got it. No, listen, (laughs) I've got it. You do you. You do you and I'll do me. Don't make me look rude. I oh, can't. I don't have to. You took care of that all by yourself. That's it's fine. And my my weekend was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I I had um I had what was I, I'm gonna call it a low key stressful weekend. Like I don't think the process of buying a car, selling a car, is always you know something that people put on the top of their list of like you know what I really want to do this week. You know what I really want to do? I want to go and negotiate for a car. And I want to go sell my old car. Maybe I got some good feelings, memories attached to it. Maybe I just don't want to deal with negotiating the price of that car. But that's basically my weekend, man. Like going around, trying to find, trying to find a new vehicle, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be green. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a good citizen, Damon. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help the world. I'm trying to keep the climate from change i'm looking for an electric car I'm, I'm in the market for i'm in the market for an ev and and by the look on your face i i think now you are actually
1: trying to be rude to me
0: now, but but go
1: ahead don't go fully electric don't be one of those pre madonnas that goes out and get a prius your best off oh. you care about the environment get yourself a used toyota prius like i did that's okay Oh, okay and, and
0: and uh, Damon, of course, is in the Finley Toyota Studios. Where Where else might I suggest you uh, <laughs> you, you go t- get yourself a look at a at a good used Prius uh, down there at at Finley Toyota? Well, so it, I just want to be clear. The distinction here is Prima Donna means that you buy a new one. But if you go buy a used car, you're just a man of the people like you, a member of the UNLV inner circle like you.
1: Yes, because if you are buying a new car, especially if you want to get like an electric Tesla – you're doing more harm to the environment than good because you could just go out and get a used car, and I okay. guess that people could have that environment the same way they have with meat. Well, it's already in the grocery store. Someone's gonna eat it. Oh,
0: yeah, it's dead. Yes. Yeah, that, someone already butchered. Someone already butchered that
1: thing. Someone already I, made that new car. Why, why am I not the one driving it? You're just better I, off oh. being the person getting that used car.
0: Okay, so you're you're basically uh, okay. So the, the the connection that I'm drawing here is it's like it's like instead of going to a breeder and buying a fancy dog, you're going to a rescue. And the idea here is that there's nothing wrong with a rescue dog. Yes, I've had multiple rescue dogs. There's nothing wrong with them. Just the same way you can go buy a nice used car. It's not a problem, right? You go buy yourself a nice used car. I, all right, I'll take your, I'll take your advice under under consideration. I I can't say that I'm necessarily gonna, gonna do it because when I look at this market of Gently used cars. I can't help but think of what's going on in the National Football League because I, I don't know would would we call would we call the running back market gently used, Daman, or, or or would it be heavily used like Josh Jacobs? Because Josh Jacobs has certainly taken a pounding over his time with the Raiders, and in what it's looking like today, Daman, or at least it looks to me is that Josh Jacobs' time with the Raiders is probably coming to an end. Uh, Adam Schefter reports that the Raiders are not going to use a second franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. They're not going to pay him 14-plus million dollars. They're not going to do what they did last year and put the tag on him. And they said they're still open to negotiating a new deal. Um, What I find interesting, Damon, is it's not just Josh Jacobs who's going to be out there. Schefter also reports Saquon Barkley is not getting tagged by the Giants. Tony Pollard is not getting tagged by Dallas. Derrick Henry, and this was a little more expected, is not getting tagged by Tennessee. So Demond, Josh Jacobs, essentially a free agent at this point, right? They, they, We know the Raiders are not going to tag him. Are you going out and trying to find some sort of deal for Josh Jacobs or... Is it time for them to dive into what is going to be apparently a very interesting running back market?
1: I think they see what it would take what it takes to keep him, because what makes the Raiders different from a lot of organizations is not that their owner cares more about the players, but he does value those relationships. I think that Mark Davis would at least say, see what it would take to keep JJ. And now Tom Telesco, the new GM, he's coming in fresh of these feelings these are not players that he drafted or is bonded with. maybe he could say, hey, I'm not doing that, but the way this Raiders team is currently constructed, we see with Antonio Pierce becoming the head coach. feelings, I don't I hate to say it as, as a pejorative, but feelings do play a huge part in the makeup of this team. So maybe if you- I, I don't know what his asking price is going to be out in the open market, but if he finds a deal that's comparable to what they would give another running back, they, they might just bring him back.
0: So here's what gets really interesting about this, Damon. You hit on one, one of the most important points, and we'll keep talking about this a little bit more as the show goes on, but Tom Telesco, the new general manager, doesn't have that same connection to Josh Jacobs. But of course, we know that Mark Davis feels very strongly. He called Josh Jacobs the heart of our team back before this past season. He said that Josh Jacobs is someone that he's really proud of. Now, did that lead to Mark Davis giving him The multi-year contract that Josh Jacobs wanted last year? No, it did not. That, of course, was still with McDaniels and with Dave Ziegler in charge. DeMond, I think the Raiders have got to see what the market will bear because I have to wonder if there are guys who might fit a new scheme a little bit better. I have to wonder if maybe Luke Getze coming in, is he going to want a guy who is a ground and pound back? Or maybe do you want someone like a Saquon Barkley who you can line up wide a little bit more, kind of a junior Christian McCaffrey kind of role for him? Do you want someone like Tony Pollard who in a number two role or in a 1B role looked pretty damn good for Dallas for a couple of years and then last year they tried to go out there with him as the number one guy and Tony Pollard really didn't take that mantle. He he was not great last year for them. I think Josh Jacobs is no guarantee to come back here Vegas but I also feel like knowing this franchise and knowing just how hard Mark Davis just leaned into the Raider way with Antonio Pierstamon you have to feel like that is a factor that other franchises don't have
1: exactly you're a Giants fan and I don't think you're thinking about that same way about Saquon Barkley if the Giants might just bring him back because of everything he's done for the organization and how much the fan base is going to rally around him you're not thinking that are you
0: I am not thinking that at all. Look, I don't think the Raiders should have tagged Josh Jacobs last year. I think the Giants should have tagged Saquon Barkley last year. I know how tired everybody is of hearing the idea of running backs don't matter. And I don't agree with the idea that running backs all don't matter, but I think there are very few running backs who matter. And what you have to get down to if you're the Raiders is you're gonna have a new quarterback, you're going to have a new head coach, or not a new-ish head coach. You're going to have a new offensive coordinator. What do you want to run? What scheme are you trying to get to here? Are you going to be more modern? Are you going to try to throw the ball more? Or are you going to be like some of these new head coaches and GMs that are we've seen coming in in the last couple of weeks and say, we really want to establish the run? Okay. <laughs> I mean, g- go for it. The early Meyer, what I we know,
1: 250 passing yards and 250 rushing yards.
0: We're going to be flat even. Yeah, 50-50. Throw that out like the baby with the bathwater. and That is an expression that is as old as that idea. So what I'm interested in is that if you look across the league, great stats out there today, every NFL team, all of them since 2022 have changed offensive coordinators. Every NFL team in the last three years has changed its offensive coordinator. Nobody's married to anything out there. Nobody's married to a running back, a quarterback beyond the super tip top quarterbacks. There's a lot of chance to reinvent yourself here. And as much as the Raider way is what the Raider way is, the Raiders need to reinvent themselves. They need to not be happy winning eight games. They need to really look. And say, how can we build this thing from the bottom? And as good as Josh Jacobs has been, and he has been very good over the course of his time as a Raider, you're five years into the Josh Jacobs experience, and you have one playoff game to show for it. Is it all on him? Of course it's not all on him. But as the puzzle come together the way you thought it would with Josh Jacobs, it absolutely has not to this point. And the running back market, I think, is going to be absolutely fascinating as we get more into it. It's going to be a fight out there for for contracts. It's going to be it's going to be a fight out there among running backs for contracts. And uh, it's not the the only football fight that we got to we got to talk about on this show. Uh, What what exactly was happening with Cam Newton in one of his signature trademark hats taking on three dudes at a youth football tournament.
2: Now back to Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Monday rolled along on Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield is en route to Laramie, Wyoming, where the run Rebels will take on the Wyoming Cowboys, trying to keep up their momentum from a big win on Saturday at the TNM over nationally ranked Colorado State. Adam Candy sitting in. Steve will be with us shortly, Daman, alongside in the Finley Toyota Studios. And uh, Daman, you can see I've uh, got a white cap on here. i got a white baseball cap. Uh, This is something that was free, kind of. It was given to me when I registered for a conference. Kind of real simple, white hat, little black trim Nike on it. It, I kind of... I usually wear it to walk the dog honestly like i it, it my sunglasses fit under it real nice this is, this is like a, a pretty basic white guy hat right like okay. and i've never really been a never really been a white hat dude like i i've, I've generally gone for darkers i was told a long time ago by uh by my my, ex, my ex-mother-in-law that i'm a winter that i look good in darker colors okay that my olive skin works very well with darker but white you know is uh my, it'll wash me out a little bit. My, my hats are not as nice as Cam Newton's hats. <laughs> and the last place I expected to see one of those beautiful custom design hats was in the middle of a fracas. Do you want to set up what happened here with Cam Newton in Atlanta?
1: Cam Newton does, uh, he coaches and he has his own team, a seven on seven league where, you know, it's, you know, it's the new AAU, let's say, for football, the 7-on-7 seven seven leagues. Cam has his own team, and his team lost to one of the competing teams in Atlanta. Was it the, uh, the TSP crew, as people were calling them? Top Shelf Performance is the name of the rival team. But there was a video that was out on Saturday on one of the coaches live, and he's like, man, tomorrow we gonna, we're we going to be Cam Newton's team. you know." So they were already amping this up because you have former league MVP Cam Newton that's just coaching his team at this seven-on-seven camp. I don't know where it started from where the game ended to around four or five people from Team TSP jumping Cam Newton, and Cam Newton in the most carefree position of someone who was being jumped of anyone I've ever seen in my life. He's throwing people around. He's ragdolling them. At one point, a kid punches him in the face. He eats the punch and just keeps on going. At no point did Cam Newton try to throw a punch or it looked like he was doing anything other than just protecting himself. I mean, credit to Cam Newton because he's a better man than me. If I was built like Cam Newton, I would have won Incredible Hulk on those guys. I
0: think some people kind of forget that because Cam Newton was a quarterback, the Cam Newton – Played at six foot five, 245 pounds. That he was the single best goal line threat, maybe of his entire generation. And I'm including running backs in that too. It was impossible to stop Cam Newton at the goal line. So, uh, Damon, you're too young for the old Saturday Night Live bad idea jeans skit. But uh, someone put on their bad idea jeans before they decided that they were going to run up on Cam Newton. Um, But it gets to a bigger point, and I want to talk about this because I see this a lot. Everybody out there knows that, you know, if you've ever listened to this show, that I I spent a little time refereeing on the weekends, often over the summer. And so Dema made a great comparison there, that these seven-on-seven flag football leagues end up operating a lot like AAU basketball. And I used to feel very comfortable putting my little bag over my shoulder, walking into the gym, refereeing my two or three games, walking back to my car, get on out. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, It has become in a lot of these club basketball, club football, whatever, club soccer, in these environments, it has absolutely become a situation in which parents are taking on parents, parents are taking on kids, parents are taking on referees, kids are taking on kids, in some of the worst situations, kids are trying to take on parents. Referees have occasionally tried to mix it up with a parent in the crowd. That's not a great idea. But here's what I've seen. This is about money with these tournaments, Devon. It is about the fees that go into the teams coming out to play. It has become a lot about how much money can you make off the teams, off the parents, Off the coaches paying to get in off all of the ways that you can make money. And what that leads to is a pretty strong reluctance to ever kick anybody out. And I have had tournament directors in situations like Cam Newton's where I have had people threatening me. And they have basically said, well, you got to figure out a way to make work. We can't kick them out. Like, why can't you kick them out? Well, they paid to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm working. I, I need to be able to do my job. And it's not just the referees. It's the parents on the parents. It is the sense of entitlement that comes with paying to be out there, that comes with paying these hundreds and thousands of dollars for your kid to play travel ball, for your kid to go out there and, in your mind, maybe get a college scholarship, maybe big up their profile a little bit and be able to help themselves be noticed. Demon, I, I, I don't feel the same way going out there that I used to and Cam Newton's situation just feels like a really stupid extension of it because you're going after Cam Newton.
1: Yeah one of the things that I also wanted to point out I'm glad that we have you on the show today to talk about it a little bit more in depth where we talked about this last week a little bit a different situation but with Matt Barnes and the student announcer at his kids high school but it's just for me that disconnect and I know I'm only 27 of kids just not having that proper respect or I want to say fear of an adult of what's going to happen if I talk sideways to this adult male, because one of the, I'm not everyone involved in this scuffle with Cam Newton. It was not that five 16 year olds tried to jump Cam Newton. Some of these were adults, but the one who threw that weak punch to Cam Newton eight, that was definitely a child. But you feel emboldened as a child. My coaches are jumping Cam Newton, so we got to get in on this because you see themselves as almost equals. When Cam Newton allows people at these camps to talk trash to him, and they say, "Oh, but you got no rings," and Cam Newton saying, "I won a league MVP," but you got kids that still find it funny and comical to trash talk Cam Newton. For me, and it sounds like you see this at these tournaments as well, that respect factor. Because if I met Cam Newton, I'd be on hallowed ground. I remember that Auburn one run when I was a freshman in high school, and I said, this guy's going to be the best player I've ever seen in my life. And for someone to live up to that hype, even 80% of it, Cam Newton is a legend to me, and I feel like they're not treating him with that level of respect that he deserves.
0: He's a national champion. He's one of the greatest college football players that you will ever see. Don't sleep on that. Do not get lost in the fact that Cam Newton didn't win a Super Bowl. Don't don't be a ring chaser in your head that way. But Demont, it's an extension. It comes from the culture that the money involved in this has created. The lack of respect for other people, whether it's an official, whether it's a tournament official, whether it's a parent. Everybody once they start A, paying their money to be there and B, thinking they're going to get a lot of money out of being there. Cause you are going to go to college. You're going to get NIL money. Perhaps you're even going to get that NIL money before you go to college. There's so much money involved in this, that people's attitudes change. And I can give you a whole thing about post pandemic and what people have been like, and they're angrier and all this, but you know what, man, in the end, in the end, it comes down to what are you willing to do to get what you think is the respect you deserve? And with that respect, the money you deserve. And maybe you have the two of those things crossed up. And when you go after Cam Newton, you think you're going to get respect and you think you're going to get money. You might think that you're going to get the lawyers involved here if Cam Newton takes a swing at you. You might think you're going to get respect because your dumbass thinks that you're going to beat up 6'5", 245-pound Cam Newton. You might think all of these things and you would be very wrong if you think any one of them i'll leave you with this Tomon. i was walking out of a game not all that long ago in a in an even higher level environment and i'm walking out i got my little suitcase i'm wheeling i'm walking out the door the door opens and i hear from behind me cry baby ass ref and i was like I'm, i'm sorry what and now the game's over we're out of the gym and i just stopped in my tracks and i wheeled around and looked and it was a mom who we had had to tell hey you gotta you gotta chill like you gotta calm down and she looked right at me like yeah i said it oh okay might not be the same as the cam newton situation man but it shocked me it it it, it surprised me like uh, like nothing i had seen in being an official maybe it shouldn't have i don't know i don't know We'll talk to Cofield more about it. He's he has arrived in Laradice. A land of chop houses, high winds, and not a lot else. More on Cofield and Company in a minute. And a snap. Brumfield looking. He's scrambling. He's gonna keep it. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He is in for a touchdown. Doug Brumfield as time runs out
2: in the first half. How do you like them, Apples? Welcome back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
3: All right, here we go. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you doing the uh, first 30 minutes rolling out. Cofield here in Laramie and Candy and DeMond back in the Finley Toyota Studios. You hear a little uh, Doug Brumfield highlight on the way back. Not to uh, belittle him, but that was a big highlight. What's going on, guys?
0: You're the one with the excitement, man. You're 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 up in uh, one of the Mountain West's finest homes. When that when they say at the peak, they really mean <laughs> all the way at the top of the mountain in Laramie, Wyoming.
3: I don't want to make fun of Laramie because I still want to give it a chance. I've been here a bunch of times. I really haven't hit the mother load, if there is a mother load to hit. Candy, you've been here many times, right?
0: I've spent a time or two in Laramie. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I I would recommend uh, altitude. If, you, if have you been to altitude? Have you done? Have you done the uh, the old Chop House? I think so. Okay, okay. Is the library still going? Because man, you you could get yourself <laughs> into some trouble at the library.
3: <laughs> it's uh, and not the
0: one Demond's thinking of.
3: It's a very <laughs> concentrated, uh, concentrated, quiet downtown area. The other hitch when you come here: Mondays are kind of shut down. So we'll see. What, We'll see what trouble we can find after uh, 7 o'clock local time. Probably
0: not much. No, no, not a whole lot. And by the way, there's usually mm, one to two Uber drivers in town. So you might want to see if you can get that person. Just call them now.
3: Demond, does that sound crazy? One or two Uber drivers in, in the entire town.
1: For a town that supposedly has a major college and a major conference, I mean, yeah, that sounds surprising. Are there How many chain restaurants can you name off the top of your Just number. How many chain restaurants in town? Uh,
3: well, the joint we're staying at actually has a bunch right across the way. Okay. So I think there's a, a Chili's and McAllisters and a couple others. I didn't get the look. And then downtown has about seven bars. Four will be open tonight. The other three will be closed. There is a steakhouse down there. I think that's the altitude place that Candy's talking about. So it's, uh, it's, oh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty wild and crazy here.
0: Let me, let me tell you. Not complaining.
3: It's a, it's a unique trip, and that arena is kind of interesting. And the game tomorrow is going to be a pretty good game.
0: Let me tell you, Steve, Mm -hmm. I have a friend from elsewhere in the Mountain West who one night was out at the bars downtown and they had a group of them from this school and they stayed later than you could generally get a taxi or an Uber in Laramie. And so one of the group that they were hanging out with, someone who was a local, was like, no, come on, I'll give you guys a ride. Okay, I'll give you a ride back to the hotel. (laughs) I go outside and they're like, that looks like a decommissioned U-Haul. Like, that's exactly what it is. Oh, wow. Uh, got the they got the a ride truck. back to yeah. their hotel as though they were being smuggled somewhere yep. inside yep. the trailer door of a U-Haul. I still have the video he sent me from inside that U-Haul on the way back. That, folks, is why they call it Laradise.
3: Yes, Ice. Uh So we played uh, Doug Brumfield with a highlight on the way back, a call there from Russ Langer. Uh, I'll go around the room. Damon, are you shocked by the news that you heard uh, late yesterday that Doug Brumfield, the quarterback for the Rebels, is going to medically retire?
1: Sad to hear, but not shocked. Candy?
0: It's just disappointing. It, it's it, Doug Brumfield, before Jaden Maava took off, felt like the first real stability that this program had had a quarterback in, what, a decade at the least. The reason we were at all excited. For this year's UNLV football team, at first was because of the return of Doug Brumfield, and now you see what has been, unfortunately, a, a kind of a, a sad ending to that.
3: Yeah, I was glad to see a bunch of well wishers come out on social media. I never felt like they. Uh, a lot of the fans were very nice to Doug Brumfield, and uh, now you see why he wasn't playing because he was off injured, and I guess he and his family decided that it was just too much, and you know, it took him the last two seasons. It was on an elongated period of time for him to come back. Um, so I won't go into details if they want to talk about the details, but, uh, yeah, we had mentioned this on a podcast a couple of months ago. You could kind of see something was going to happen with the quarterback ranks because they got to a point where they had seven quarterbacks in the QB room after a lot of the commits out of the transfer portal. So a couple of changes were going to be made. So that's the first one of, uh, Doug Brumfield. And you know what, uh, If you're looking for anything nice to say about the guy, aside from, you know, kind of a warrior, because he did go out there hurt a lot. He did actually, uh, one, honor a commitment that Sanchez had landed with Arroyo, and he did help Arroyo when he was healthy. And remember, he got kind of frustrated at the beginning of a spring camp and went into the portal for like a week and then decided to come back. So, I give the, the guy a lot of credit. He matured over the years. He certainly served as a leader He's a good player. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to play football again. He's you know medically retired now from the game. But uh, he had an impact on the program from a leadership standpoint. He had some good moments. He had some explosive moments as a player. So I'm sad to see him go because I think he's a really high-character dude. And uh, now we'll see what the quarterback room has to offer. So they've uh, they've got Malik Williams in from Campbell. He's already in town. He's been around the program. So he's doing the, uh, the preseason workouts. Matt Sluka, the dual-threat quarterback from Holy Cross. He will be here in the summer, so that actually gives Cam Friel and Haj Malik Williams a chance to get a leg up on him. And then they've got a freshman in, and we'll see what else happens in the in the portal or if there's any other changes. So they've got a deep room, and they've got guys with experience, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. I want to remind everyone that we've got a uh, great giveaway going down, 364-1100. you got to text in, 702-364-1100. You can hit the jackpot. In March here with $20, $24 a day, we're giving away $2,024 courtesy of ESPN Las Vegas. Every day we'll give out a secret code word. The word today is Stardust, like the casino, Stardust. Send that in to 364-1100. you got to do it between 7A and 5P, so the deadline today is 5 o'clock. And every day we come out with a new word. You can first hear it at 7 in the morning with the press box with the code 364-1100. Text in and you're in. The Running. Every day we're giving away $2,024 for 2024. The code word is STARDUST.
0: A Young is Mountain West Player of the Week, while freshman Amarachi Kimson is Freshman of the Week, and UNLV Baseball's Austin Crisick is Mountain West Player of the Week and Mountain West Pitcher of the Week, UNLV's Sam Simon.
2: Steve Kim, the host of the Three Knockdown Rule, joins Cofield and Company. Presented by Snack Nutrition.
3: What's going on, buddy? TV. what's up hey guys how you doing we're good
2: what are you doing today Um, uh, well let's see i did an early segment with uh, jason whitlock on fear lift that's going to premiere in about uh probably a half hour for my segment Talked a lot about uh, cam newton and his seven on seven escapades where he went one on seven and then i did my friend's podcast and i'm now here at the office there you go
3: beautiful beautiful uh well let's jump right in we'll get to Cam Newton in five minutes I want to get to a very big day in boxing news I think I was following you on Twitter looking mm-hmm. at the uh, boxing Twitter sphere mm-hmm. this morning it seemed like something very significant was happening with the PBC so tell us what's rolling out there here on a Monday
2: well as of right now it looks like P B Canelo is no more they did not put the or uh, put up a guarantee of $35 million, which was contracted in what was his multi-fight deal that he signed last year. And there was also a disagreement of would you put up the money for, let's say, Jamal Charlo, or would you insist on a Jaime Munguia? I, I've been led to believe throughout the weekend that where this is headed, and I believe Eddie Hearn made some comments on Ariel Helwani's show, that the next fight for Canelo will be against Jaime Munguia Wow. on the zone. Now, whether that's going to stay on May 4th or not, I'm not really sure. i got to make some phone calls later today. But as of right now, Saul Canelo Alvarez is no longer under the umbrella of the PBC.
3: So tell us what exactly has led up to this, and what's the future of the PBC? Because I know it's such a hot topic around the world of boxing.
2: Well, you know, what led up to it is that Canelo has certain contractual stipulations that guarantee him an X amount of dollars. I was told $35 million. So, obviously, PBC, we kind of know what the issues that they've been through, and they have a new deal with Amazon that doesn't come with any financial uh, parameters attached other than being a pay-per-view distributor starting with their March 30th card. And, look, Canelo's the type of guy that he has certain leverage where he can demand certain things, and he's always going to have options at other networks and other platforms. Whatever he does is considered a big event. But look, people like their money. Nobody put a gun to Al Heyman or the PBC's head to agree uh, to this guarantee. He has a right, I believe, to probably walk away. And so I don't know where that leaves the PBC, to be honest with you. You have to have bankable commodities. They still have Javanta Davis. But if you go back from last year, Deontay Wilder lost and it looks like he's on the descent. Errol Spence got thrashed by Terrence Crawford. Stephen Fulton got obliterated by in a way. So I don't know what's going on, and people have kind of speculated what's going to go on with the PBC. Look, Al Heyman has been very, very resilient, but I would say that they have certainly hit some turbulence uh, on this flight.
1: Well, Steve, I want to ask about Canelo a little bit more because what happens with his titles at 168? Is he eventually just going to have to vacate those titles if he doesn't defend them against the mandatory challengers?
2: You know what? In theory, yes, but here's the problem, and this is one of the, my pet peeves about boxing. The sanctioning bodies, when it comes to guys like Canelo, they are in business. They are in cahoots with them, and you're – look, I agree. These sanctioning bodies, and I press some of these presidents on it, why do they not follow the rules and say, hey, Canelo or whoever, your your mandatory is due. you got to do your mandatory or you vacate the belts. But you literally have situations where the WBC is allowing Jermall Charlo not to fight for two years and to still have his WBC 160-pound title. I think it's ridiculous. I think it impacts every other fighter in that rankings and it creates gridlock. As it relates to Canelo, as I wrote in my column today for snack.com, they want to be in business with Canelo because they are in the, per- they are in the game of making money. Don't, don't, don't let them tell you anything else. And the bigger the purses, the more money that's involved, the bigger their percentage becomes. So they don't dare alienate Canelo Alvarez.
1: Again, we're talking to Steve Kim, host of the Three Knockdown Rule podcast, presented by Snack Nutrition. Steve, I've got to ask Javante Davis, Frank Martin, how big of a fight can this be? I think it's a solid fight. I mean, does it have the profile of
2: what he did last year against Ryan Garcia, the social media superstar? Probably not or absolutely not. Um... You know, whatever reason, Tank, after fighting in late April, decided or he just could not fight the rest of the year. It'll be about a full year since he got back in there. I think it's going to be really interesting to see, after doing a million-plus pay-per-view buys with Ryan Garcia, how strong is the pay-per-view franchise of Tank Davis with a relatively unknown fighter in Tank, uh, Frank Martin, who kind of struggled in his last fight on Showtime last summer. I would guess it would probably do a fraction of what that fight did last April. But again, um, I was told consistently the last couple of months that Tank Davis has rather exorbitant demands financially, and he feels as though, hey, what I got for the Ryan Garcia fight, which was tens of millions, should be the new baseline. Um, I'm actually curious to see what he settled on, if this fight actually does come to fruition.
3: Steve Kim is with us here on Cofield and Company. So you mentioned that you and Whitlock had a chat about uh, the Cam Newton brawl. So I'm curious to see what you guys were saying about it.
2: Well, <laughs> Jason basically called Cam Dion Light uh, as in Coach Prime and put a lot of the blame on him. I, I don't really – I didn't completely subscribe to that. My view is this. Cam Newton should no longer go to those camps. He should no longer – um, even put up those camps like he's done before. Uh, the kids just do not respect him, and he may have not do a great job of, of quelling some of the conflict, and he's got too much to lose. And if these kids and fellow adults do not respect them and there's a chance of something like this happening again, guys, is it really worth him to even sacrifice his time and effort into any of this?
3: No, of course not. Um Well, give me me that side. I want to hear that side. It's, uh, It's not a shocker that Jason took that side, but how is this Cam's fault?
2: Yeah, because he feels as though the way he behaves and his bravado and his own sense of entitlement, that instead of acting like a quarterback, which is generally a position of leadership and bringing people together, that because of his incredible physical gifts, he's always acted more like a diva wide receiver or a very flamboyant linebacker or a defensive end, guys that celebrate and get in people's faces. Well, the prototypical quarterback that we've thought of for the last 50 years has been kind of a little bit different, more of a Tom Brady, Joe Montana type. And he feels because of that personality, it's almost like gasoline to a fire. And so, you know, I don't – but again, my view is this, is that Cam, by sponsoring a team and being out there, he probably thinks, you know, what I could do some great for some kids. I can help out the cause and the event. But if it keeps ending up like this, and again, I am not absolving him of, of none of the blame. I think maybe he should handle things differently. When I saw that thing yesterday, I said, you know what, Cam? There's that old meme from Michael Jordan where he says, "F the kids." That that would be my uh, attitude right now if I'm him.
3: That's been my attitude my whole life. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Steve is with, with us. Snack, snack, nutrition exactly. <laughs> co the curmudgeon and the Korean curmudgeon. Uh, Steve King's <laughs> with you on us. My mind, Steve.
2: This is great.
3: <laughs> there we go. Uh, presented by Snack Nutrition. Um, all right. One of the other big issues that came out of the weekend, and it, it is a problem. I don't know how they get under control. Uh, I, I like the pageantry of college basketball. There really is no purpose to it. The court storm and Filipowski and Duke. Filipowski may be hurt. Uh, Duke's John Shires all pissed off. What do we do?
2: What a wimp. Did you see the way he went down? My God. I Could you imagine people rushing Georgetown of the 80s with Ewing and Michael Graham and Ralph Dalton and Reggie Williams? I tell you what, students back then would have parted like the Red Sea with the Hoyas. But here's what they ought to do, seriously. If you're going to rush the court, Put out a PA announcement, because I think that's a tradition that I love. It's fun. It adds flavor to the game. I would say to the students and everyone, hey, look, give us one minute to clear the court, and I would tell the players, no handshakes, run into the locker room. Then after 60 seconds, open up the floodgates. There, I think everyone's happy at that point. How's that?
3: Candy, what do you think? Too soon?
0: I don't have any problem with Steve's idea. I mean, yeah, the spontaneity goes away a little bit, but at the same time, You're there to celebrate. You're there to have fun. And it's not necessarily about being able to go out there and crush somebody and run them over. You can still have the fun of the whole thing without the danger of it. And by the way, the handshakes are an antiquated idea anyway.
2: Right. We've actually seen fights break out during the handshake line. Didn't Juwan Howard get into it last year? And look, we kind of know, and again, I know these games that they go down to the wire are a little bit different, but I've actually seen a lot of these scenes that are great and they're so college, and people stay on the court or the football field for 15, 20 minutes sometimes. So it's not just like we rush the court and we leave. These people want to favor the moment. And if you make them wait 60 to 90 seconds, I, I don't know if you're really taking that much away from it.
3: What about the idea that if the crowd rushes the floor, it's a forfeit?
2: Oh, that's, you know, that's, oh, boy, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I would make that a measure that if you have multiple incidents, and let's say you've had two or three other incidences, and the conference or the league says, hey, guys, we're giving you a warning, and by the third or fourth time it happens again, maybe that's brought up. But I think that's a tough way to lose a ball game there, Steve.
3: If I uh, – well, the, the counter to myself would be if I was a fan of a top 25 team, I would go to every road game and I would have the home team's gear in a bag and I would rush the floor. If they yeah, see, the upset. that's why
2: you can't do it. So or they, the other way you want to it out me? is if any student that rushes the floor, if someone socks you in the face or elbows you, you can't sue. That might right um, there ca- cause some problems to go away.
3: Yep, the best event ever, uh, and the NBA thought it was a disaster. I, I, I thought it was a, a good message sent by the Pistons as they just started wailing on Pacers fans.
2: Oh, the malice at the Palace. You know, that was old-time uh, basketball. That's when the NBA was a league there, fellas. Yes, that was good that, stuff. Uh, that fat little dumpling who ran on the
3: floor and got, I think he got slugged. Actually, it was what? Pacers on the road. So he got slugged in the face uh, by Jermaine O'Neal. That was uh, absolutely dynamite. Let's close on this. I got about 30 seconds left. Um, I saw you making some comments on the, uh, the big hockey fight in the NHL this weekend. And again, it was a uh, back in my day. Or actually, no, I think you retweeted someone saying they should just let people fight in every sport.
2: I agree. Old time hockey. And by yes. the way, yesterday <laughs> was the anniversary of the release of Slapshot. So I thought it was apropos, but that's what they need to do. One-on-one, put them in a ring, put them in a cage. You get 30 seconds, let it out, shake hands, play ball.
3: We need more fighting in sports. Let's start sending messages. Let's get violent. I like it. Right. No more load management,
2: more fights. That's what we need. Commissioner <laughs> Kim, vote for me.
3: <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve.
2: We appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later.
3: Three knockdown rule uh, coming up. I think they tape it today, so you'll see that in short time with Mario Lopez. Are you offended, Candy, that we just want everyone to just start fighting each other instead of, uh... well, the Filipowski thing is unfortunate because now now there are people, because it's Duke, who are putting Filipowski in the crosshairs and saying he actually tried to trip someone so he's getting what he deserves.
0: I just know that because it's Duke, now we're hearing from Jay Billis and yeah. now it's getting a lot more attention. But what I'm interested in is what happens if a guy like Damon rushes the court because we know that you know demond has got some skills in that arena and low center of gravity like he, he's gonna take some fools out before they know what happened
1: that's why you got to protect the players because what if someone is going out there for that reason uh, maybe not intentionally but filipowski you know someone they could have did a lot more damage is all i'm saying